0: Now may we turn in our Bibles, please, for our sermon to Psalm 31. Verse 1, In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. On every coin that you have in your pockets that's minted in this country and on every bill that's printed by the United States Treasury, we find the words, in God we trust. In God we trust. In the various travels that I've had through these years and these various countries, I've had the currency of many lands in my hands. And I've looked at them and examined them all. But only in the United States does the coin of the realm bear the words, In God we trust. In God we trust. It's there not just as a constant reminder that we do trust in God. But if there is a testimony, we have been a Christian nation. Now all this emphasis on pluralism and we're a pluralistic society and all of that is designed to change it and to undermine it and to take it away from us. But I love the American currency. I like the coin of my country very, very much. And I like it because it has on it these words, in God we trust. And they're going to stay there only so long as the people do trust in God. Because as we turn away from God and these forces of materialism and atheism arise in our land, these influences will be felt on the courts of the nation where decisions are made. I was thrilled this morning as these... young people of our junior and intermediate choir sang to us he leadeth me and the trust in God and as naturally as I was uh, saturated with the sermon that I'm going to give to you just now and that came into my ears and I looked back at them and saw their, their smiles and their countenance as they just manifested this trust in the Lord this song The 31st Psalm has one theme. It is in thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. We trust in God to become his children. By faith we're saved. But after we become his children, by faith... Then we trust in him every moment, every day, every night, every week, every year. All our lifetime is just lived trusting the Lord. And we live and move and have our being in the presence and the hands of this great God. And so at this particular point, the psalmist picks up this theme, I'm trusting in the Lord. And then he talks about it and he comes back to it and talks about it again and he comes back to it and talks about it again and he comes back to it. And then when he gets down to the end of the psalm, he says, be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart, all ye that hope in the Lord. Well, when you trust in him and he helps you and you trust him again and he helps you and you trust in him some more and he does this for you, you finally get to the place, where you've got great hope that God is going to continue to keep you and to take care of you because you trust in him. And it's this kind of a message that we need today. It's this kind of a message that your pastor needs today. And I want to open it up for you. As a matter of fact, there's some who thought that this 31st psalm was a messianic psalm. And there are touches in it that perhaps would suggest the messianic uh, accent because you find in this psalm the words of our Savior when he died on the cross. He said, into thy hands I commend my spirit. But when you read the psalm, the psalmist speaks about his own iniquity and our Savior had no iniquity except when he died on that cross when our sins were laid upon him in that moment of his sacrifice. But the rest of his life he had no iniquity. He was without sin and without guile, and there was no judgment of sin upon him in anything our Savior ever did until that one flash, that one moment when he hung on the cross and paid the penalty for our sins. So though there is a messianic touch in the psalm, perhaps the burden of the psalm is for you, it's for me. And oh, how many times I've told you as we've come to expound the scripture together, that no matter what your trial, no matter what your trouble, no matter what your experience, you always seem to find some place in the Bible where it just picks you up. And where it just fits your particular situation exactly. Now let's take this 31st Psalm together and go down through it. And notice this emphasis. First I want to your, call your attention to the reference to trust. Verse 1 he says, In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Verse 6 he said, But I trust in the Lord. Then in verse 14 he said, But I trusted in thee, O Lord. I said, Thou art my God. And then in verse 19 he comes back to it again, For thou hast, which thou hast wrought for them that trust in thee before the sons of men. Here are these children sitting here with their Bibles and they're listening to me. They know what it is to trust your mother and daddy. Here are these boys and girls in my choir behind me. I think I counted 33 of you there this morning. That's a good-sized choir. But you must trust in the Lord. And this psalm is just as much for you children as it is for the preacher. You must learn what it is to trust in the Lord all the time, every day, in every circumstances, under any condition. You must learn what it means to trust in the Lord and you can't get away from it because it's written on our coins that we carry about for us all to recognize that those who gave us this land and built this land were determined that we would be a God-fearing people. My, how I recoiled the other day when the Attorney General here in our state ruled that it wouldn't be necessary any longer in the uh, state's care and uh, placing of uh, orphans uh, to require of the parents a statement as to whether they believed in God or not. And now we've got a state agency for the distributing of these little children around, which no longer concerns itself as to whether they're going to be in the care of parents who have any faith in God or not. I recoiled against it. And it's the trend and that's the way things are going and the only thing that will ever stop it, the only thing that will ever bring it to a halt will be the God-fearing people, enough of them to say that this ought not to be permitted in our great free state. Now look at the psalmist as he begins. In verse 1 he says, Lord, don't let me be ashamed. I've become yours and I'm identified with you now. And don't you ever let me get in a condition where I'll just be ashamed that I've been identified with you. Don't you let me be ashamed. And deliver me in thy righteousness. The psalmist is recognizing as we run through this psalm that he has enemies, that he has troubles. And he's in the midst of a situation in which as he is standing for righteousness, he's standing for his faith in God. He says, now, Lord God, I'm trusting in you and I'm doing what you've told me you want me to do. So don't let me be put to shame. Don't let anything happen that will bring me trouble. Lord, you deliver me. And do you know what the Christian life is, beloved? You know what the Christian life is, young lady? The Christian life is believing God, doing what God says, and letting Him deliver you in His righteousness. That's all it is. It's one continual experience of doing what God wants you to do all the time, every day, everywhere, and asking God then to take care of you. That's what the Christian life is. Verse 2. Bow down thine ear unto me. Lord, I believe in prayer. I believe in prayer. Bow down thine ear unto me. I'm, I'm calling upon you, Lord. I'm speaking to you. Deliver me speedily. Be thou my strong rock for an house of defense to save me. Oh, the psalmist says, Lord, I'm standing on a rock I'm going to stand on thy truth. I'm going to stand on thy word. I'm going to stand on thy name. And now wilt thou be a great defense, a great fortress into which I can come so that thou canst save me. A house of defense to save me. And young ladies, the greatest refuge you can ever have on this earth is the living God. He's the one who will keep you. He's the one who will take care of you, and he's the one in whom you must trust in all that you do. Now the psalmist goes on in verse 3, he says, Thou art my rock and my fortress, therefore for thy name's sake lead me and guide me. The psalmist says, I trust you. Your righteousness is before me. I don't want to be confused. I'm asking you to save me. Now I'm depending upon thee to lead me. I'm depending upon thee to guide me. And beloved, you and I want the guidance of God in every act and in every decision that we make. The knowledge of what God would have us do is in his word. Now as I unfold this 31st Psalm for you and open up this magnificent passage, the psalmist is having experience. He's crying out to God for me, soul, and you ought to be able to enter into that experience. You ought to be able to understand this experience. This is a normal experience for every person who trusts in the Lord. Consequently, when David wrote it in his day, uh, he spoke out of his troubles and out of his heart. And here we are, 3,000 years later from the time of David, and out of our troubles and out of our experiences, we can turn to a psalm like this, and it just comes just as fresh out of our own soul, and we enter into this same blessed fellowship because we are a trusting and a believing people. Verse 4, pull me out of the net that they have laid privily for me. Lord, they've been scheming and planning and working as to how they can get rid of radio station WXUR. Did you know that? Pull me out of the net that they have laid privily for me. Lord, you know what's going on in these secret chambers and behind these doors, and you know what the lawyers are planning next. You know what's going on in this great world about it. Lord, you know what went on up in Harrisburg. We didn't know anything about it when they passed this Resolution 160. We don't know what was going on before they got it all written down and wrote it out and made these plans. Lord, pull me out of the net. They have laid privily for me, for thou art my strength. And oh, beloved, the psalmist is saying, Lord, they've laid a net, but you're going to give me strength. You're going to give me what I need. You're going to give me just the right thing to stand up and to uh, let everybody know that we believe that you can overcome and overturn and expose the net. Somebody said to me, on Friday, when we were out there and we were all dressed up, and somebody said, Dr. McIntyre. He said, Are you Dr. McIntyre? And I said, Yes, I'm Dr. McIntyre. He says, You're not going to get anywhere, sir. I said, Thank you very much. I says, I'm trusting the Lord. So that's the answer I gave. You're not going to get anywhere, sir. I says, Thank you very much. I'm trusting the Lord. Oh, give me strength. Now, verse 5, Into thy hand I commit my spirit. Our work, our years, our lives, everything we have, we put it in the hand of God, and that's the way it ought to be. Thou hast redeemed me, O Lord, God of truth. Beloved, we are a redeemed people. We have been born into an everlasting kingdom. We don't belong down here. This whole world doesn't understand this. This old world has nothing in it that we want. This old world is under condemnation. It's going to be destroyed. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against it. And you and I have been called out of it by the marvelous grace of God in order that we might be witnesses and testimonies to the gospel, and in order that we might win men to the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We are here to do work for Christ. We are here to be ambassadors for our Savior. We are here for one purpose, and that is to glorify our God. Then the psalmist moves on. And at verse 6, he makes a turn and he says, I have hated them that regard lying vanities. You know, we're, we're living in a world today where the liberals are so saturated with their emasculated idea of love, 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 that if you don't love the devil, there's something wrong with you. And we've gotten this whole thing twisted around today with the uh, political situation and the uh, forces that are driving to reorganize and change the very structure of our society that they've just intimidated everybody else. And if you lift up your voice, just lift up your voice, why, you're you're a hater, and if you begin to object in any way, why, then you belong to the crowd that Hitler belonged to. And tonight I'm going to read you people from this Methodist publication. that's out for, uh, for uh, uh, November. I have it here and I'm going to read it tonight where the, the, the secretary of the whole Methodist church calls the John Birch Society neo-Nazi. It's all in the Methodist Sunday School literature. And beloved, we're reaching a day now when you're just so beaten down and so intimidated and the whole atmosphere has been created created, that if you say anything at all you're just full of hate or something else beloved there are certain things that you and I must love because they are the truth and there are certain things that you and I must hate because they are of the devil and the psalmist is crying out I have hated them that regard lying vanities Beloved, we hate a lie. There's no doubt about it. We give no quarter to a falsehood. We are a people who delight in the truth and we delight in honesty and we delight in the commandments and the things that have to do with the righteousness of our God. And yet, this week, I got last Sunday's star from Canada, from Toronto. Here's the front page of their weekly The Ten Commandments are dead. Here's the big feature. The Ten Commandments are dead, and it's written by a clergyman of the United Church of Canada, and he gives the typical usual line, which is that the Ten Commandments are no longer relevant for today's needs than the particular form of government and science that were acceptable in the times of Moses. They performed a very significant role in the building of Israel. However, no one generation is competent to lay down a moral blueprint for all successive generations. Well, God is capable of laying down a moral standard for all successive generations. And that's what God has done in the Ten Commandments. Then it gets over into this whole idea that the only law that anybody should have anything to do with is the law of love. And this law of love expresses itself in every given situation. So you have situation ethics. You decide when you get in a situation as to what you think your love would have you do. And this same uh, minister in the United Church of Canada wrote an article just a little earlier than that. He seems to be quite a writer in this particular field in which he openly attacks what he calls the fundamentalist. And he says they have the spirit of the fascist. And then he comes on down and he says this the Christian fundamentalist well I should go back earlier if a Christian has any affinity with the modern mind he is consigned to the outer reaches of hell Bishop James Pike of California has said that these people seem to know so much more than he knows he admits that we see through a glass darkly the Christian fundamentalists like the John Birchers are under no such handicap the ultimate vision has been given to them all others must be cast out into utter outer darkness where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth and then he proceeds to say i do not believe that muslims jews humanists agnostics and questioning christians are riding a bobsled to hell i do not believe in some illusory second coming of christ i cannot believe that the creator plans to destroy the good earth and the whole temple of man's achievement in history and then he goes on Beloved, we have on every hand the undermining of our faith that we might have our trust and our hope in the living God. And the Ten Commandments are now dead. All right, turn back if you will, please. The psalmist says in verse 6, But I trust in the Lord. Now, I will be glad and rejoice in thy mercy, for thou hast considered my trouble. Thou hast known my soul's adversities. Now I'm going to read you his troubles. But you like to read the psalmist's diary. He just put them all out here for it. He surely had a lot of them. My, the troubles that he had. Just, he says, Thou hast considered my troubles. And uh, verse 9, he goes on. Mine eye is consumed with grief Yea, my soul and my belly For my life is spent with grief And my years with sighing My strength faileth because of mine iniquity And my bonds are consumed I was a reproach among all mine enemies But especially among my neighbors Your next-door neighbors didn't like you. They that did see me without, or rather, and a fear to mine acquaintances. My, 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 even my friends didn't want to be around me anymore. They that did, not, did see me without fled from me. When they saw me coming, they crossed over and walked down the other side of the street, you know. I am forgotten as a dead man out of mind. I am like a broken vessel, for I have heard the slander of Many. My, what a what a series of troubles this, this man did have. Mine enemies, where well, they reproach me. My neighbors, they don't like me. Mine acquaintances, they're afraid to be seen with me anymore. And they that see me without, why, they, they go down the other side of the street. They won't be around us anywhere. And you know, it's getting to be, beloved, that some places where I go, I'm like a leper. Nobody will come near you. Nobody wants to be seen standing talking to you. Nobody wants to have any association with you for some reason. It's a strange sensation that you have. And I've had it over and over again. He says, I have heard the slander of many. Fear was on every side. You know, beloved, one reason why I know this Bible's inspired? Only God can record experiences like this so accurately for us. This is inspired. This is of God. This is a description of the troubles that some of us have. This is the trouble that some of you people have. I had a man say to me the other day, Dr. McIntyre, my neighbors won't speak to me anymore anymore because I go to your church. That's exactly what they said. My neighbors won't speak to me anymore because I go to your church. Another man joined our church here several months back. And he says, Dr. Magentine, I've lost the best friend I had because I came and joined your church. I said, well, you just stay around. You'll get better ones before you get through. But, beloved, this is what the psalmist is talking about. And you've got to put your trust in God above your closest friend. You've got to put your trust in God above your companions in your social clubs. You've got to put your trust in God above your neighbors that live next door. You've got to put your trust in God above everything else on the face of this earth. And this is what the psalmist is talking about in this 31st Psalm as he opens it up to us. And then finally we come to the 13th verse. He says, fear was on every side while they took counsel together against me they said we've got to get rid of this fella. we've got to somehow or other get this thing out of the way and yesterday afternoon a lady came up here all the way from baltimore a missionary working in the poor areas of baltimore all the way here to this church she paid her way here she said i was at the convocation dr McIntyre, but i've heard what's going on in baltimore about you and i've just got to come and tell you dr McIntyre." and i said well you come on down to the office and the section sent her down to where I was and she came in there with a half a dozen of the men and she proceeded to tell me that in the poor areas where she was working they were having all this anti-poverty fair. and she told about the awful corruption. She described it, but she says the, she told who the manager was there. She gave us his name and she said, Dr. McIntyre he just hates you. He said, he's listened to you on the radio and you make him sick. And he said, furthermore, that down in Washington, they're against Dr. McIntyre. And he said, they are working to get Dr. McIntyre off the radio. And she says, I've come to tell you that. And as she told us that, I says, well, lady, I says, we're trusting in the Lord, you know. We're trusting in the Lord, you know. Oh, beloved, to come to the Lord and trust in him is a rock. It's a fortress. It's a tremendous tower to which the righteous can repair. And there they find refuge and assurance that there's a God in the heavens. Look at the last of that verse. They devised to take away my life. Now let's move on. We'll have to more hurriedly. But I trusted in thee, O Lord. I said, Thou art my God. God's bigger than the neighbors. God's bigger than the social club. God's bigger than the enemies. Thou art my God. Oh, give me some men today who will trust in God above their pensions. Give me some men today who will trust in God above all earthly powers. That's what we're crying for. That's what we're wanting today. Verse 15 my times are in thy hand O lord oh beloved your work you're you're immortal until your work is done and then when he takes you your work is finished my times are in thy hands Deliver me from the hand of mine enemies and from them that persecute me. Make thy face to shine upon thy servant. Save me for thy mercy's sake. Let not, let me not be ashamed, O Lord. And, O beloved, your prayer and my prayer is day after day. Lord, keep me from making a mistake. Keep us from doing something that will cause us to be embarrassed. Keep us, Lord, from uh, making assertions and conducting ourselves in a way that will in any way bring harm or shame upon the testimony. And may I say to you, people who are members of this church god bless you but don't do anything anywhere that will bring shame upon the testimony in the name of our blessed lord that's what the psalmist is crying out for and we do have a name that is precious and before the sight of the lord we want to keep that name so that we will not be embarrassed and put to shame verse 17 let me not be ashamed O lord For I've called upon thee, let the wicked be ashamed, and let them be silent in their grave. And oh, beloved, the psalmist is saying, I want to stand up, I want to do the right thing, I want to do these things, Lord. And let the wicked be ashamed. And when they come at you, answer them. When they come at you, resist them. When they come at you, expose them. Let them be ashamed. You know, beloved, this thing that we're in today for our religious liberty, they're going to take it away from us. And they're going to find all manner of reasons so that you will become ashamed. They're going to do their best to do it. That's the way Satan moves. That's the way Satan works. And if the Democrats should repeal Resolution 160, which they, which we're asking God to have them do, they're going to find themselves in a very difficult position because this whole buildup that's been accumulating in this country by these political authorities against those who hold the views that we hold in relationship to the Bible and freedom and God, there'll be a break in their dike. Something will break. And they're determined by the help of their powers, whatever they are, to keep that from happening. And we're determined by the help of God to let them be ashamed. Now we come down to the latter part of the song. But in verse 18, and may I say that what I'd like to suggest to you, boys and girls, do you, boys and girls, have a little testament? Do you have a testament, a little small? Do you? They say they have. On Friday, when we were there, a man came up to me on the street and said, I found a verse, Dr. McIntyre. He had his testimony in his hand, and I was standing there and said, what is it? And he says, look at this. And he turned to Psalm 31, verse 18. Let the lying lips be put to silence, which speak grievous things proudly and contemptuously against the righteous. And that thing just lit up like a a great big light in my soul. Marvelous. It just seemed to fit. They speak contemptuously against the righteous. There it is. You need your testament with you all the time. And I saw two things happen not too long ago. I was in one place where a woman dropped her pocketbook. And you should see what she had in it. I don't get to examine pocketbooks, you know, unless you see them on the streets, and then they are. She had two packs of cigarettes. I could even tell you the names of what the companies were, but I'm not going to advertise them. (laughs) But I saw another woman that opened her pocketbook, and it opened wide, and she was scuffling in there to get something. And you know what I saw? a New Testament she carried in that pocketbook a New Testament ladies substitute a New Testament for your cigarettes will you I'm speaking to you people across the country get the word of God in your hands and this 31st Psalm it just lives it just opens up because it comes home to us And the psalmist proceeds to say in verse 19, he says, or verse 19, he says, Oh, how great is thy goodness. And from here on, beloved, it's just adulation and praise. Lord, you're so good. Thou hast laid up for them the things that thou hast laid up for them that fear thee. And here he's all about the future. All about the future. For them that put their trust in thee before the sons of men, thou shalt hide them in the secret of thy presence from the pride of men. Thou shalt keep them secretly in the pavilion from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he has showed me his marvelous kindness in a strong city. Beloved, there is a strong city, and there is a holy city, and there is a day when we're going to be delivered from all this abuse, and all this slander, and all these lying words. For I said in my haste, I I am cut off from before thine eyes. Nevertheless thou heardest the voice of my supplications when I cried unto thee. Some of you say Lord you've never answered my prayers. You don't seem to reply when I cry. And the psalmist said I was hasty when I made that statement. Because thou art going to deliver thy servants. And then verse 23. "All love the Lord, all ye his saints. For the Lord preserveth the faithful. And plentifully rewardeth the proud doer. Be of good courage. And he will strengthen your heart. All ye that hope in the Lord. Ye trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Here he is crying and praying. Here he is in his great catalog of troubles. And he ends it up, thou art my God. My times are in your hands. They're not in the hands of the wicked. They're in the hands of God. Our times aren't in the hands of a God who's good. And whose mercy abounds and whose purposes and whose decrees are made known in his works of creation and in providence. And we are a people who trust in God. And then when the psalmist comes to the close, he says, Be of good courage. Be of good courage. Always be of good courage. Now, you know what this psalm does, beloved, as I close it? Did you ever see that Christian go around with that long face? you ever meet any of them? Pastor, you don't understand my trouble. I've always had them. I'm in terrible shape. Did you ever hear anybody going like that all the time? They never get a smile. Something, something they just never get over it. They got into some sort of a, 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 a trance somewhere in their life and they've always stayed in it. They're the most pessimistic type of people. And you say, well, lady, are you trusting the Lord? Well, I hope so. Well, that's about it. It's just a hope so. Beloved, if you trust in the Lord, you won't be a pessimistic Christian. If you trust in the Lord, you will say, be of good courage. Be of good courage. This is the Lord who delivers the faithful and this is the Lord who deals with those who are of a proud heart. And remember, there's a day of judgment for the wicked. There's a day of accounting for the unfaithful. But for those of us who trust in our Lord, there is the blessed and glorious assurance that he will take care and that he will keep us and we have hope trust, 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 trust. And where does it end? It ends in hope. And when you have hope, you'll never be a long-faced, drawn-out, sour kind of Christian. You'll trust the Lord. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank Thee for the coin of our realm. And we thank Thee that even the smallest child can trust in God. Oh, bless this message to our hearts. We needed it, Lord. It just fitted us today. Bless it to our souls. And may those outside of Christ stand and wonder and marvel at what it is that these Christians seem to have that gives them good hope and good courage and abiding strength. For Christ's sake, amen. 159, Oh, Could I Speak the Matchless Worth. Let's sing just the first and the last verse, please. Just the two verses, first and last.